This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're back after the, the winter break. I was going to say the international break, but not all the players had an international break. Only if you were out West, if you were an American player or a South American player, you got an international break. Or if you were an African player as well, I suppose, in a way. But all the other players, they just had a winter break and uh, they're back. They're back in training and we are back on the podcast for our first full podcast after the international break. My name is Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with a couple of chums who are completely chilled out after the international break i'm sitting there with laney lane how are you i'm good i'm very chilled at the moment i'm sat sat off the coast of africa at the moment um having a little bit of a bit of r and r um yeah it's good i've I've not i didn't go to dubai and tell brentford to fuck off i've um i've uh i've come to uh, cape verde which is interesting i have to say Interesting. I mean, we might we might sort of delve into that a little bit later, Laney. I think you've been a bit vague in your descriptions there. But um, we've got we've got the Radders in the house. Simon, the Radders, Radford. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I feel refreshed and ready to go. I think, like uh, hopefully, like all of our squad. Although the the transfer window that did take it out of me. So the few days since has allowed me to re- regain my chill. That's right. So I mean, international break or let's say a winter break, more to the point. It's, we're so used to saying international break, but like I said to you, there's no internationals going on. I mean, obviously, Laney has taken a bit of an African twist. He's obviously went to go to the African Cup of Nations, <laughs> but he got the wrong flight. You know, he's ended up at some sort of kind of resort somewhere where he can't get out, apparently. Is that right, Laney? Yeah, it's it's like an open alcoholics prison on a on an island it's it's, it's it's you know come on i'm not complaining it's it's what exactly what i needed a bit of sunshine but um yeah it's it's like landing on the moon i don't know if anyone's been here it's uh it's uh it's a uh, kind of a very barren landscape volcanic rock in the middle of the atlantic um off the coast of west africa so i'm as a crow flies mate I, i'm i'm not that far from the cameroons i probably could get out there for the for the final is it on sunday um <clears throat> but uh I, I don't think i'm going to I went to the last African Cup of Nations in, in Egypt. So uh, I've, I've ticked that one off the list. So I, I won't be swimming. 
I won't be in the shark infested ocean later on giving it some of my doggy paddle. No. Um, so yeah. Okay. And, 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 and at late at night, of course, Lane, because obviously you're out there in a resort before all sorts of characters. Do you do a bit of dancing? Dancing? No, I've not, I've not started anything yet. <clears throat> um, but there's, you know, it's, it's early days, mate. It's early days that tonight I'm, I'm saving, I'm saving myself for later. Gonna practice, practice a little bit of the, uh, yeah, the, the Macarena, the, the all, yeah, 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 or Gangnam <laughs> style or whatever it is, yeah, on your own, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, you summed up my holiday, mate. Uh, talking of holidays, mate, what did you before we move on? What did you think of the uh, the old Ivan Tony incident? Oh, well, I mean, you, you told me to move on about that lane. You this was this was, <laughs> and you now come back to it. Well, uh, I just while it was in while it was in my head. Uh, uh, the Ivan Tony incident is, uh, and I'm going to be. I was actually asked about this by a, a, a I think it was a Talk Sport, and as well, I think I just gave me answer saying that you know <laughs> we've always said this on the podcast. Ivan Tony does what Ivan Tony does. I've got no idea what was going through his head. I don't know any idea of if he was if he's out of it or whatever it was done. She said whatever she said, and I don't know whether or not he just repeated it as opposed to he was saying it in a in a in a negative sense. You know what I'm saying? Like she says, you know, Grenfell and he went over Grenfell. Like you know, I've got no idea. I have to be honest with you. I saw it and I ignored it and I moved on because as you as you probably know, I've I've done a bit of a social media kind of not blackout, but I've just kind of I've got so many other things going on at the moment now. I've got to keep my creative brain sort of kind of ticking over in the right way. So social media hasn't been a high profile for me this year at all. So I've, I've hardly tweeted or Instagrammed or done anything on social now because I, I just think that it can be majorly uncreative at times. So I haven't really seen what's been going on with the Ivan Tony. I've just heard it from you and all the other characters on the on the WhatsApp ring. And I know it's caused a bit of a furore, which I think if anything that caused a bit of a furore, because there's, <laughs> there's not many things that cause a furore. So uh, Ivan Tony caused a furore. But um, to me, I've just I've just blanked it out from my head. And at the end of the day, he just needs to come back and score some goals and just, just get back into it. And I'll tell you something, if that fires him up into scoring goals and trying to prove that he's proper Brentford, then, then I'll be having some of that. Simon, what did you think, mate? I think he's a very silly boy, isn't he? I think there's a, you know, he's got that sort of, there's a sort of arrogance with, about Ivan, in terms of, which makes him really effective as a striker. There's that self-belief or whatever, you know. And sometimes that kind of probably spills over into doing stupid stuff. I, don't, I didn't take offence at it. I think it's obviously not meant literally. He doesn't actually think that. He's just having a laugh and he's done something stupid. And considering kind of other footballers in the headlines and all the rest of it too. You know, it pales in comparison to really serious things. So I think, you know, we, we've got to kind of take it for what it is, which is a bit of a laugh where he, which he misjudged and got wrong. And I think probably the best reaction is for us to have a laugh with him in turn rather than getting all upset about it and being yeah. kind of pearl clutches. So, yeah, stupid. But and, may, and if it was going to be any player, probably Ivan. But, you know, that probably is what, what makes him really good anyway, isn't it? That sort of attitude. And your, your yeah. thoughts, Laney? I, I kind of agree that, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a catalogue probably, you know, like, like Ivan does what Ivan wants, it, it does seem. And I think he, 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 he walks that line of, you know, he walks a, he walks a thin line sometimes, I, I think. And all the time he's scoring, he'll be forgiven. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those. It's almost like a mercenary thing with strikers. They, they can get away with pretty much anything as long as they're scoring goals. And that gives them a bit of a swagger and a bit of a confidence. I mean, they need that. 
but yeah, I, yeah, it's probably best just to move on and not kind of think too deeply into why that that whole thing was 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 even being talked about. What you know, I'm sure I'm sure we wouldn't like the expanded version of that, but it's um, yeah, it's just just don't say stupid things on social media if you're in a high profile position and put and, and post them. You know, I, I know he didn't post it; it was someone else that posted it. But yeah, just just. Just think, you know, it's gonna, it's probably is gonna be shared. I mean, the woman that, you know, she was an influencer, followed by, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people. So, you know, it's, it's, it was obviously gonna get out. Um, his apology kind of was probably written for him, but um, it, it, it kind of closes it. But yeah, odd, just very odd. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, it, it, <coughs> sorry, I was just saying, those people who who um, got in contact with her on social media and were giving her grief, she gave themselves a lot. I mean, it's, it's also really patronising to him that he doesn't have like the ability to make his own decisions to blame her for what he did is really really stupid so any any of the people that so-called fans who've been giving her grief on social media should seriously sort of have a long look at themselves yeah i mean just flipping back you know talking about players because listen as far as i'm concerned ivan tony he's, he's got a job to do he's got to score lots of goals for brentford he's got to get us higher up the league and that's kind of what his job is and if he can do it in the most professional way possible that's brilliant as football fans also, I think we just want to embrace our players and love our players. And we look back to, you know, the players that come down to our socials that we you know we just love for years, who, to be quite honest with you, didn't have the morsel of the skill and the scoring power that Ivan Tony had. Like, you know, we've had, you know, your Carl Hutchins is down and your, you know, your Iger Anderson's down and, and Terry Evans is down, you know, who are heroes as far as we're concerned, you know. But, you know, I suppose if you if you put them in the same team as Ivan, as well, you know, Ivan, you know, as a player, would be a better player than them, really. But the fact is, that thing that really endeared me to these players is that they were like they were really Brentford, and they were really into it, and they really loved playing for us. And I think, as fans, that's kind of what you really want. You just want players who love playing for us and love playing for Brentford. And I think the, the outrage has obviously come from you know for people who think, hold on a second, does he really love us or? Does he does he not really care? And I think that's you know as as as, as a striker as he is, he may turn around and says, "Well, I, I could do what I want. I don't really care." But it, it's actually very important to fans to feel that you know the players that you've got really actually want to be there and really want to do the best that they can do. And I suppose if if whatever his actions that he's done has given the impression that you don't kind of really care and you don't care so much about the club. That's like a little bit dangerous in your relationship with the fans. Yes, you can go and do your job and score your goals and they love you. But the fact is that what you'll do is you you lose that sort of endearment as it is. And like I said, I mean, I talk about my daughter quite a lot, you know, because she comes to games with me and she's really got into the football thing. And, she, you know, she said to me the other day when she seen that, she said, have you seen the Ivan Tony thing? I said, yeah, I've just ignored it. She goes, she went, what an idiot. It's only 13, you know what I'm saying? She goes, I didn't really, she goes, I've really gone off him, you know? She goes, I just, I've really gone off him, you know, since all the things that he keeps on doing. And I think for her, she's gone from being, going really into Brentford and she really loves them. And I think she also feels that feel that she wants to feel that the players have got that same feel as well. So she loves Yanel, she loves Norgard, she loves Pontus Janssen, you know, and she loves those kind of players who feel Brentford probably in the same way that she does. Now, I'm not saying Ivan Tony doesn't, but I'm just sort of saying situations like this doesn't necessarily help his case. And listen, you know, it's, it's, she's not the barometer and the ultimate barometer, but it's interesting just listening to my daughter 
who she's past the stage of me telling her what to do. She does her own thing now. And so it's interesting. She, you know, I'm going, oh, what do you think of Ivan Tony? What do you think about this? And I'm like, oh, he's cool. He's all right. She goes, oh, oh, you complain about all the other people. Why don't you complain about him? She's like telling me off because I'm not sort of kind of sort of, you know, sort of laying the law down because he hasn't done the things that you're right. So this interesting 13 year olds are thinking, hmm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. You know, even if, even if he does score goals. Yeah, there's a lot that doesn't stack up about him sometimes. And I think it's just, yeah, it, as I said in my piece, you know, it, it, all the time he's scoring, he, he gets forgiven for pretty much anything. And But if you if you break it down, I'm not going to get all kind of, you know, it, it's a one-off incident, but in this case being caught on on social. But, you know, there's there's other things that he kind of, he, he does bring attention to himself. And I, whether it's intentional or not, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I I get that as well what you said about you know that some of the legends of the past they didn't have his ability necessarily but they 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 were could they you know they they wouldn't have been caught on you know telling the clubs to fuck off um and if he does if that's what he thinks then that's fine he's he's entitled to think that but then don't retract it and and say you know put a statement out just say you know I'm just passing through it's uh, I'm only here for I'm only here for the end of the season and uh, yeah fuck you <laughs> okay all right okay a slight embellishment there i'd say lady but you know but again you're because you're in the middle of nowhere in africa with not much to do you could say what you want like you know <laughs> but, but anyway look you know moving forward i'm actually looking back because you're talking about you know what happened in ivan tony in the last game we actually played wolverhampton wanderers uh it seems like about three and a half years ago when we played wolverhampton wanderers and i tell you what jb is going to give us some facts and funk about that Wolverhampton game. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello, Jonathan Virtual here again. After a week off, a quick look back at that dramatic game with Wolves, aside from its drone helicopters and other going ons. The nasty clash of heads between Rico Henry and Matthias Jensen saw them both replaced by concussion subs, Baptiste and Rosalith. Later in the game, they in turn were replaced by Force and Rissa. It was the first time we had ever subbed two subs in a competitive game since two subs were introduced in 1987-88. Andy Feely was the first sub to replace a sub when he replaced Paul Birch, who had already replaced Colin Lee in the away game at Mansfield in that season. Following on from his first goal in front of fans in the new stadium, Ivan Tony netted his second. Scoring in two successive games from open play was something he hadn't done since February last year at Middlesbrough and Reading. Thomas Frank has now been in charge for 175 recorded competitive games, and that means he's now in the top 10 of Brentford's longest serving managers. By the end of the season he'll overtake Phil Holder, Fred Halliday and both Bill Dodgers, the father and son of the same name who both managed us. If he sees out his new contract until the end of the 2024-25 season, he'll surpass the games managed by Steve Perriman, Fred Callahan, and David Webb. That'll just leave him behind Malcolm McDonald and the man who was in charge for 23 years, Harry Curtis. So there's JB with some facts and some funk. And uh, the sub of the subs. You know, that game, again, we're trying to cast our mind back. Again, we're not going to talk about the game too much. Uh, but what we do is that we have to 
what I say that we're, I'm going to do about that game, I'm, I'm going to say that game is a line in the sand. Normally you play one half of the season, then you play a second half of the season, but we've played sort of kind of one half of the season plus a few more games. And then it's, it's, it's almost like fitting. We ended that sort of kind of half and a little bit of the season with the Wolverhampton game, which was the, possibly the most bizarre game that you can ever have. So I'm just thinking that game, we put a line in the sand um, JB talked about the fact that we had some subs of the subs, you know, we had, you know, we had some players and then they got injured. So we brought some substitutes on and then those substitutes got substituted because we wanted to get some other substitutes in. But, you know, it's just probably quite similar to what we're doing the goalkeeper where we get a substitute goalkeeper and they go, oh, no, we've got a substitute, the substitute goalkeeper and another substitute goalkeeper. In. You know, so we seem to be like the subbing team at the moment now. And there's all sorts of stuff going on with the drone in the sky and then the helicopter coming to try and shoot the drone down, you know, and then we had the referee going off, you know, just disappearing off for like 20 minutes or something like that because he was struggling you know there was there was a lot of bizarreness in that game and we basically I think that we literally they had to go away all the players after that game it was just like listen this 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 is just not happening for us this is just just bonkers let's go away and let's regroup and hopefully when we'll come back life is back to normal Bainey. Yeah, it, it was a reset moment and uh, I hope that's worked. You know, the, the players have, have gone away and been able to um, literally rest. I mean, obviously they've been training, you know, this week, but I, I would imagine it's, um, it's a, you know, a more relaxed atmosphere where, you know, they, they, didn't, they, they didn't have the rigours of the 90 minutes <clears throat> last weekend. Uh, their bodies are probably stronger um, and the intensity was probably, you know, less. than Obviously, they're professional athletes. Uh, they, they would have been, you know, doing something most days. Uh, but, um, yeah, the, the focus is also on the FA Cup, which is, is, gives them kind of almost another kind of rest from what is the, the most important thing this season is, 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 you know, Premier League survival. You know, other people say, "Well, we 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 you know we're safe already. Let's have a cup run as well." Um, I'm caught somewhere in between with with those two. But you know, going back to that Wolves game, yeah, it, it was it was crazy. Um, I don't I don't think you could you could list that catalogue of of what you know occurrences um, and be taken seriously. If you said all that happened in a game, it, it sounds like some some weird Ted Lasso kind of plot you know something you know one of the ones where they're all hallucinating but um yeah it, it, it was weird and it does seem such a long time ago i had to i had to rack my brain to think of who it was we were playing and it was like, oh god yeah it was wolves wasn't it and uh yeah we we do we do have to start getting some points um and you know we've got we've got a a, a, a very very shiny um new signing that hopefully will help us get that Simon. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think we were great about Wolves, but I think you're right. It's a, it's kind of capstone of that part of the season. I think we were looking a bit leggy. We know that from discussions about the transfer window that we had people taking up squad places who weren't playing. And obviously we know that in terms of the athleticism, which the Premier League demands, and in terms of how we play, trying to outrun, outfight players, it takes a lot out of the players, I think. And uh, I think that was the sort of, you know, the last game in a long stretch. And obviously Wolves, I think, are one of those teams who have, like quietly done really well this season in that they were, I mean, eighth or seventh or something like that. But if you're anything like me, you don't pay a lot of attention to Wolves because they're not sort of one of those glamour clubs that's always in the news. But Ruben Neves and Jao Martini, I mean, those are those are world-class players. And I think there were rumours of Ruben, you know, Ruben Neves going to one of the top, top clubs. So I think it's, I think it's easy to, to think, especially that we probably did give away two points. I think when, when we equalised, I thought we were going to go along and, and, and get a point. But to me, 
it's um you know there's a line after that now and i think i think it is not just the next game it's the next half of the season especially with the transfer window and various other things so in that sense i'm not looking back uh, very much it is what it is and we move along yeah and talk about moving along one way that you move along especially when it's january is that you sign some new players so the transfer window opened and there is a lot of again furore about our transfer window this has been the furore week as it is a lot of furore about our transfer window but what i'll turn around is i want to first of all talk about the new signings first of all i want to say to you if you check out pride of west London. If you go to London, we actually have our transfer deadline podcast. We talk a lot about the transfer deadline on there. We talk about the players that we signed, the players that we've loaned out, the players that we sent out, and also the reasons why we didn't sign quite a few players as well. So that's all on there. You should definitely 100% check that out. It's not time dependent. You can check it out in a week's time or whatever, because it's still going to be very valid. So like I said, prideofwest.london. But the first thing I want to say is I want to talk about players that came in. We've talked a lot about Christian Eriksen, so we're not going to talk about him anymore because we're all very positive about him. But we've also had two other players that have come in, as far as I'm concerned. David Raya and Josh De Silva have re-signed for Brentford and they're going to be ready for action very soon. Now, this is a very good bit of news, isn't it, Radders? It definitely is. I mean, I think particularly David Raya, we've seen how much we've missed him. Uh, and I think in some ways it's been so long since we saw Josh De Silva strut his stuff. Um, that we've even forgotten that we were missing him. But just watching him do 45 minutes against Hanwell, looking back at some of the highlights, you can't be you can't be anything other than really excited to see what he does in the Premier League. Because we, he's always been a Rolls-Royce of a player. We've always said if we've had one player who was really suited to make the step up, it was Josh De Silva. And I think in terms of that competition for places and rotating people in midfield, I think he's going to fit right in. So I'm excited to see what he does. It's kind of relief with Raya and excitement with Josh De Silva. But I think you're right, they're like two new signings. And I think they'll give a real big boost to the other players as well, knowing that they're back in the fold, ready to contribute. Yeah, and, and it's not, I mean, Laney, it's not actually, I mean, he, he's played, you know, did a handwell turn up actually. But I think more to the point, there was a closed doors friendly with Aston Villa which Josh De Silva not only played in, but he actually scored a goal in as well. So actually we lost 2-1 to Aston Villa. Uh, we were 1-0 up. Uh, Josh De Silva played 45 minutes, I think, in that game as well, as did David Raya. David Raya kept a clean sheet and then we changed it the second half. We lost 2-1 and Ollie Watkins scored. So you can argue that Ollie Watkins, Brentford player, so maybe we won that one 2-1 because Brentford actually scored two goals. But anyway, we won't go into that one. But lady, like I said to you, big, big boost there. And maybe this may have been some of the, the reasonings why Phil Giles... Uh, um, as the DOF has, has has made the moves that he's done in this window, don't you think? Yeah, the, the timing's exquisite, really, isn't it? You know, just when all of us are kind of uh, have we have we taken a little bit of a gamble by by not bringing in you know more players, um, uh, whoever they may be, just in terms of numbers. Um, you've got you've got two uh, of our bet our, two of our finest coming back to the fold. Now they might be a week or two weeks away from being on the bench. They may not be. They might be ready to, to be on the bench um, at the weekend. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But Josh De Silva, I, I, I always, you know, there's there's been a, a long list of brilliant performances by Josh. And I agree with Rad is that it's, it's, it, does, it does seem like a long time ago that you, we've probably even forgotten, you know, we, we not, not forgot we had him, but, you know, just you 
few we've we've kind of reformed since since losing him. But I look back to that Newcastle game in the um, quarterfinal of the uh, Carabao Cup last year, and the, the pundits were just purring about him. Um, just his just his quality, just his just his uh, strength, ability to get the ball and drive forward, and we've we've missed that. We've missed that a lot, you know. We we we've 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 been hitting it long because we've just we've we haven't had players that can kind of I call it dribble, but it's it's just like to, you know Shannon Baptiste has done that to to a certain degree, and Yenelt does that a bit, but it, it, it's you know it, it's Josh De Silva's kind of like this is this his trademark and. Yeah, he he will bring a, another brilliant option to 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 our attacking output, and you combine that with, you know, Christian Eriksen. That's 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 a lot of talent there, and you know, we we go back to um, what you said, Bill, about you know the the, the transfer day podcast i listened back to that uh yesterday afternoon and thought you know sometimes i don't listen back to them because i'm on it but i've listened back to it because sometimes you just want to make sure you've said nothing stupid but it, it I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it and I, I even knew what was coming because i think we covered i think we covered all the bases but we didn't obviously talk about those two because they, 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 the news dropped the, the very next day but we did what we did talk about is realistically what we need to get um, Brentford Football Club over the line this year, and over the line this year means that we're staying in the top flight. And the players that we've got come in, I, I think they and they they do make a massive difference. You know, Josh Eriksson and David Raya being back in goal because you know he was he was the he was the eleventh outfield player. He was also a goalkeeper, but he he was really kind of that sweeper keeper, and um, we've we've missed that. So yeah, welcome back, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm certainly more confident now uh, with the with the news that dropped the next day. Yeah, indeed, and and again, I've, I, I keep saying it every time. And I said to you, I don't believe that we're going down. And the reason why I said to you, I don't believe we're going down, is because I believe that the players that are coming back are going to add to the side. And I think we've got enough there already. And all we have to do is win three stroke four games. We've got enough there. My thought at the time was that you know that Raya wouldn't be back till April. Uh, Josh De Silva wouldn't be back and up and running till April. So my thoughts were, if they when they come back in April, we'll still be fine because we have to win only three or four games in that period. If they're coming back a bit earlier, <laughs> that makes me even more optimistic. So I think that, you know, sometimes as, you know, there's a massive furore, you know, when we didn't sign the players that everyone wanted to sign, you know, and we explained that on the on, on the podcast as well. But the fact is that the directors of football know what they're doing. You know, we've spoken to them and they said to us, the players that we wanted to sign, you know, we got messed around a bit and they didn't want to sign us. And they put the basically no entry sign up to us and we weren't going to go and sign substandard players there just to sort of stop, you know, Twitter telling us that we're not doing our job right. At the end of the day, we'll sign the right players at the right time. And that's what they decided to do. Um, we asked them about, like I said to you, players coming from other places like players on loan. How come Fulham have signed a player on loan from Liverpool and we haven't done? And they said, you know, question mark, you know, he may be a great player. But he's untried at this level, at the Premier League level. So he's gone down to championship level. He may be brilliant or he might not be brilliant. But we've got players who have actually played championship level and Premier League level who are as young as he is. So, you know, in our books, they're probably more experienced and we can rely on them and doing a better job rather than spending two months or three months trying to explain to them how we want to play. So that's kind of, you know, where it's coming from, where Brentford are saying that they haven't signed loan players, they haven't signed these other players. And it makes perfect sense. And, you know, you could say that we're Phil Giles's mouthpiece, but no, we're not. He's, he's explained things to us and it makes perfect sense. And they don't believe we're going down. So they're thinking, why should we sign a player now? That's probably not going to be what we want, where we could probably sign him 
in the summer or we'll have a better chance of it. So that's kind of where it comes from. Just quickly looking at the transfers, the transfers in, the two transfers that we had in was Christian Eriksen, Jonas Loss, uh, 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 like I said, Joan, uh, Christian Eriksen, who was on a free transfer in effect. You know, he's a free agent. And we also had Jonas Lossel from FCN in goal as well. The transfer was out. Marcus Force went to Hull. Mads Bitstrop went to Norgeland. Jan Zamberek went to Viberg. Thomas Dominic Thompson went to Whipswich. Ellery Balkum went to Bromley. We did mention Ellery Balkum, but we couldn't really say where he was going at the time because it hadn't quite been tied up. But yes, we knew he was on an out move, but that's been confirmed now. Patrick Gunnison, Viking, Joel Valencia to Alicorn, Charlie Good to Sheffield United, Luca Ratchich to HB Hoggy, I think it is as well. And the deals that didn't happen, Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest, Keane, Lewis Potter from uh, Hull City, Vanderson from uh, some Brazilian team, George Bello as well, and uh, from Atlanta, and Mudrik from um, the, the Ukrainian team. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, yeah. I think it was. Like you know, so those are the players that didn't happen for us. And like I said to you, and for most of them, you know, um, we just got the no, we're not selling them anymore. Sign that's gone up. And what do you do about that? George Bello decided to go from a different team. He's a left back, and the reason why he went to them is because probably because they're giving him game time where we couldn't guarantee him game time. And Vanderson went to a team which is, with all due respect, are a, a lot bigger than us and have got a lot, lot more high profile than us and playing in Europe. So uh, we couldn't do anything about that. But, you know, that's the way things go. Now, looking at that, reflecting on that window that did and didn't happen, uh, Radders, because I know you weren't on the pod on uh, the transfer deadline pod, I'm just wondering to know what are your thoughts? In reality, because you've seen the, fl- the, the, the all the all the all the all the words that have been flying around the internet about you know, how we're going to get relegated, and this has been a complete and utter disaster. Are these your thoughts? No, uh, they're not. And I think in you know sort of have butted heads with other people who do think that. I think the directors of football are paid to not be emotional and to take a two or three season view, and they think of it in terms of maximising the value and the potential of our squad. Uh, and so, in terms of if you look at all the players who have gone out on loan and you think about the number of minutes that they would likely contribute, they're not going to make a massive difference to whether we stay up or not. They're not. But if they are developed uh, in terms of either selling them and reinvesting it or in terms of them becoming better players for next season, they will boost our chances of staying up or doing well next season much more than they're likely to influence anything this season. So I think you have to think about delayed gratification. You know, there's that whole experiment where they put those you know sort of sweets in the middle of a table and told kids not not to take it and the ones who didn't take the sweets did better in life than the ones who immediately took the sweets and a lot of people when they look at the transfer window they want to grab the sweets immediately but actually it takes um, a bit more discipline sometimes to say we've got to balance today with tomorrow with the day after and we have to make you know, balance risk and reward and our risk of going down i don't think is that high for the reasons you've said also in terms of our XG, we should have nine points more than we currently have as well. So we've actually been unlucky even to be as low down as we are. Uh, and then in terms of next season, you know, I want us to be able to put money aside to sort of get the next three or four really top quality players who really, really improve us. And if we spend money now on players who are just going to be unhappy in two seasons or not contribute, that's just going to sacrifice tomorrow, you know, for today, which isn't something which I want to do. So I think if you look at sort of... Um, you know, Fulham and what they learned from that, they learned you can't do everything at once and buy 11 Premier League players. You've got to do three or four a season. But if we do something now and panic for no reason, that puts that at risk next season to give us a much better chance of pushing on next season. So for that reason, I, th- I think I was actually very happy with what happened with the transfer window. The only other last thing I would say is we don't have all the information. I mean, you have much more than most, Billy, and more than I do. 
But in terms of if I was Force or Good or um, Joel Valencia or John Thompson, I'd be wanting to play games and I'd be pretty upset. And in terms of getting the, um, you know, keeping the morale and keeping people happy, and it's a people business, you have to keep them happy. And a lot of the time that means that it's better that they are somewhere else playing games, feeling loved and developed than here playing B-team games or just sitting on a bench and not getting off it. So I think people sometimes forget that element of it too. Yeah, and you're right. You're 100% right. Yeah, that was another reason that was given to us. You know, I think it's got the situation where they said Marcus Force has to play games. So I don't know if it's a situation where Marcus Force has knocked on the door and said, listen there, boss, I ain't getting no game time. I need to play games. You know, the World Cup's coming up. Finland, I need to get out there. And they needed to play him to to get him game time to develop him as well as a player. And it's almost like it's not fair, you know, um, if anyone's been a sort of amateur football coach, you know what I'm saying? What you do is that you try and sort of kind of hoard all the local kids so that you've got all the best kids in your side, but you know you can't put them all in your team, but you know that you've got them all. And it's kind of like, that's not really fair thing to do because what you need to do is that you need to be, have a situation where they get more game time. So it's better than playing for another local team. Then they're, not, then they're all just a new sort of sitting on the bench. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a sort of strange parallel, but, you know, I could see exactly where it is there. And, you know, the, the, as, as the club just came back to us and said, they need to play. Dominic Thompson needs to play, you know, whether or not we're going to sell him, which we probably are going to do, because that's he, he obviously doesn't fit in with our plans. You know, he's obviously not up to the standard that we think he is. So he needs to play, you know, and I know a lot of people have been saying, and I'll come to Laney about this, they're saying, oh, last season, you know, Rico Henry got injured and then we were scuppered. And yeah, that did happen. And we were really unlucky. And then, you know, Dominic Thompson came in, but they still do not feel that he's up to scratch. So they believe that any other player that we've, you know, all the other seven options that we've got to play at left back, if we have to, if that ever does happen, you know, the 10% chance that that might happen, they've got all the seven different options that will that will do it. And they'll still get us over the line to get us the three wins. I mean, we've talked about that quite a lot, haven't we, Laney? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be brief because you know I, I said a lot on the uh, the transfer podcast and you know I, I stand by all of that. I think you know my my over my overarching feeling was I was you know like a lot of Brentford fans I was I was slightly flat and a bit underwhelmed. You know, listening to the the reasons for for why we didn't bring a right back in or a left back in or a left winger in. You know, yet it's it's very easy for us to use use information as uh, as a, as, a, as a tool to attack. You know. Because you know, unless you come up with the name of a of, of the perfect solution, um, and who is who is available, who who does want to come to Brentford, and who actually does make us better, then it's it's it's, it's easy to, to 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 hit someone over the head for not not signing a player that they found and they've actually tried to sign. Um, it's, it's it's you know, it, but they would have they would have signed them if, if if it was possible. If you know, Van if Anderson. If all if every if everything stacked up, you know the price, the the you know him wanting to come, um, you know he he would he would have been here. It's it's not it's not necessarily our our, our club's fault that he chose Monaco because it's a tax free haven, and you know Monaco or Brentford, you're, you're probably gonna choose Monaco like like a million times out of a million. So you know it's it's you have, you have to listen to all the all the you know all the reasoning behind it and. I think the Josh going back to Josh De Silva, that's, that, that 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 is a massive um, sway for me. Um, I'm still I'm still concerned about left back. 
um, history doesn't always repeat itself. Rico may be, you know, fighting fit and, uh, and strong as an ox for the rest of this season. Um, and until we find that Rico Henry-like right back, um, then then we'll we we know that we've got um, you know players there that were uh, you know are, are more than more than able to to stand in. But you know, do they take us to the next level? Probably not. But then we're a bit leaner um, as a squad. For, for the for the summer, we we do have to. We, you know, there's. I don't think there's any excuse for us not to be stronger um, for the start of next season. That 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 would be really difficult to fathom. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, and again, as I said, I don't think we're going to go down this season. However, if we carry on as we are doing now, next season, I think that we're going to be in a few problems. So we do definitely need to strengthen at the start of next season. So I'm going to just answer the question as we finish off this little transfer section here. This transfer recap. Um, the fact we didn't get these players that we we're looking at, but they're still there in the marketplace. Brennan Johnson, Keen Lewis Potter and Mudrick. Now, we're obviously going to go back and see what it's like in the summer because that's what we did. That's the same thing we did with Ivan Tony. We didn't get him in January, like last January. So we just waited and then we got him the following, you know, the following summer. And then he played a whole season with us and got promoted with us. That's just what we do. Okay. And he was half the price when we, when we came back from him six months later. So like, you know, so uh, like I said to you, gambling, not in a forest, a gamble that Brennan Johnson will retain his value or even go higher. Which one of those three players do you either think we're going to get or we should go for out of those three? Johnson, Lewis Potter or Mudrick Laney? Um, Mudrick, for me, um, I'm surprised he didn't come with, uh, you know, with Russians knocking on the door of Ukraine. I, I, would, I would have thought he'd be quite up for a bit of escape um, from, <laughs> from, from that because he may, he may be playing for a Russian team this time next week because they, as the tanks roll past, you know, Donetsk um, it's it's that's the concern I mean you know whether that's played a part in his decision I doubt um, but it's you know um, I, I get a better vibe about that but the, the other two Brendan Johnson that's that's the one that I uh, it seems like we're being held to ransom and I'm not used to I'm not used to that being happening um, obviously we're not being held to ransom because we haven't gone like to 25 30 million because would, we would have had him but um, I, I just don't I just don't get the good vibes about it. Do we, you know, maybe we get better options in the summer and, you know, that's, 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 that's his loss. Right. And uh, Radis? I haven't seen a lot of Mudrick play, but according to his YouTube clips, he's Neymar. So in that sense, he would be obviously a great signing if he's any as good as his clips. Um, I'd obviously like to know a lot more about him, seeing him in some games where he's tripping over the ball or doing something which is, you know, not, doesn't make a YouTube highlight to see whether, how good he is over, over 90 minutes. He obviously looks really exciting and he's got um, really good press in terms of what he did against Real Madrid and others. So that would be really exciting. Um, Brennan Johnson's going to have a year left on his contract in the summer. So Forrest are going to have to make a decision. And that, I think, if they don't get promoted, will help us a lot. And then I guess the final thing to say is loaning force uh, and giving the owner a bit more time to get his feet under the table so he doesn't look as though he's just come in and sold their prize asset. Again, I think it's going to be a lot easier to do business in the summer. So maybe, to a certain extent, we're going to be able to take our pick in the summer rather than be held to ransom for any of the one of them in January. The question which I, which I have about all of them is, does it mean we need to change the way we play? Because most of them seem to be inside left or inside right or coming in from the wings. Maybe Lewis Potter plays wing back. Um, but it looks as though they, it might give us a bit of flexibility to go to 3-4-3 three, three, or play a bit more attacking next season, which will be... Uh, exciting and interesting too for people who've been keen on changing the formation. Uh, and, and you're completely right. That is the reason why 
we are looking at a winger. This is the reason why we haven't been playing the formation. Everyone keeps saying we should go three up front. And it's like, we can't really go three up front because we haven't got the players to go three up front. So this will actually give us the flexibility to play like that or flip it during a match, which is going to be very, very important. Uh, Brendan Johnson, interesting. You talk about Nottingham Forest and, you know, whether or not they go up or not. Again, we're a stats side. So again, and I talked about that that part on the podcast, the fact that Nottingham Forest are 8% chance of promotion at the, at the moment now. I'm sure they could do it. They've, they've got a great run. They can do it. But the fact is that they've got the similar chance that Peterborough had last season of promotion at that at, at, at exactly the same stage, you see. So they're, they're taking a big risk. But, you know, listen, this is what you need to do at that stage. For me, I'm going to actually going to go on a clean sweep view lot as well. Mudrick, for me, is the one that excites me. The other two excite me as well. But Mudrick, you know, as you said to in the Neymar factor, I'm speaking to my contacts in Ukraine. I said to him, why didn't the deal happen? They said, well, to be quite honest with you, we... Um, Basically, in Ukraine, they just try and push too hard. So, you know, he, he's still, you know, relatively, you know, he's not, he's, he's not experienced. So what they tried to do is that they tried to bring in an experienced player from Ajax and then they were going to replace him. And then, you know, and then Madrid was going to go out. The experienced player from Ajax, I believe, didn't come in. In the end, I think they bid sort of 15 or 15 million or even 20 million from him. He's a lot older than Mudrick. He didn't come in. So as a result of that happening, I don't think, you know, our bid would have happened as well. Um, now, whether or not that will change in the, in the summer, we shall see. But like I said to you, they said that they, we always try and push and try and get as much as possible. They, um, I think one of the one of the Dynamo Kiev actually, um, you know, managed to get 21 million from Everton for their player that they actually signed to them as well a few few weeks ago as well. And even the Ukrainians going, everyone over here saying, "Cool, that was a good deal for us." Like you know, so we actually got more from them. So maybe you know the DOFs are just thinking, listen, you know, we're going as hard as we can do. We'll actually come back in the summer. So he's the one for me. I've got a, 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 a different um, reason for, for us why we don't play three up front. We can only play three up front when we get a decent acronym. So we have BMW, which is obviously Ben Rama and Bumo and Watkins. Yes. And we can't, we, can't, we can't play three up front until we've got another one. So I'm waiting. We need to find someone with uh, a surname that begins with A so we can have ATM. So, which is a cash machine. So we got then we can play with Tony and Mubumo up front, and then we need the player with A. So if someone can find a, 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 an attacking left winger whose surname begins with A, the ATM will happen in the summer. You what? You mark my words. Okay, yeah. TBJ or TBP or TBLP or TBM. You know, not TBM. MT, <laughs> MTB. BMT. <laughs> No. <laughs> BLT BLT yeah, would be quite nice right. alright okay <laughs> anyway listen right okay we've talked enough about transfers we're going to see exactly how these transfers well actually none of them are playing but anyway <laughs> these players are going to fare on Saturday because we were in the hat Everton were in the hat and uh, we pulled ourselves out of each other so we're going up to Everton probably for the first time ever for most Brentford fans and we're going to be playing in the FA Cup we're going to have a little drink we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Everton. FA Cup is back. And I tell you what, I've got a certain amount of pottiness. I've had zero pottiness for the FA Cup. I have to say, I almost wanted to, and this is sacrilege, I know. I was sort of hoping that we went out because I thought we might have too many games and I was worried that, you know, we might actually kind of over-egg ourselves and play too many games and then we put ourselves under strain, especially with the COVID as it was. But as the COVID seems to have sort of been dying down relatively, as in the amount of, of games that are being postponed, I'm now thinking, actually, maybe, you know, if we can get ourselves a little bit of a cup run, which is all good. And also we're playing Everton in the cup. 
three o'clock on a Saturday, which is exciting. And also not only three o'clock on a Saturday, but it's a game where, you know, we're going to probably play a, a half, you know, strong, we're going to play a strong side. They're going to play a strong side. And we're both going to have to battle it out to actually get a win. And also for once, it's away from home because normally our cup games are at home. So it's always a bit boring, like, you know, the, the FA Cup third round and fourth round for us the last few years. But for the first time, we're going out on an away day with a strong team, three o'clock kickoff. It can't get better than that, can it, Laney? It's a it's a good tie. I, I wish we were playing them um, with Rafa still in charge because it. I, I think you know we we just had to turn up. We could have we could have played we could have played you know Peter Gillen. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I, I think there was there was Brentford win written all over it if we played them three weeks ago in the cup. Uh, they they couldn't they couldn't win for Toffee. <laughs> uh-huh. um, <laughs> um, so uh, it's now now Lampard's there and the players will probably want to impress him. Um, they've got uh, several new new players as well. I assume that they're going to make debuts. It's it's kind of a, quite a, a daunting trip, I'd say, but not one that we can't do well in. You know, it's um, we, we'll have to go strong. Um, and that's that's a kind of that's 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 where we we want to be. And I, again, um, we we well, I think I think I think we go there and and we we do okay. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't think I think we'll go out the cup if I'm honest with you. Um, but um, it's it's about I think playing ourselves uh, and preparing for the for not so much the Man City game but the the, the Crystal Palace match, which is is just taking on a, you know quite a significant significance significant significance. Right. Radders, are you up for the cup? I am. I mean, it's not. It's not always that we got through to the third round. So well done for us for getting through to the third round this year. Uh, to me, it's a bit of a. It's a free hit. You know, I think if we if we go out, then we have fewer games to concentrate on the league, keep ourselves fresh. If we win, I think it's a bit of a psychological blow because Everton are down there with us, and I think if we beat them away from home, I think that probably makes takes the shine off. Uh, takes away a little bit of the enthusiasm for the new players and the new manager uh, and gives us a bit of a boost that we'll finish above them. So either way, I think um, it's not a bad tie. Uh, I think for a lot of people in terms of going up to Liverpool again after shelling out, going up to see the bigger team in Liverpool, it might be a bridge too far for some fans. But and, and the FA Cup maybe doesn't mean as much when we're playing a lot of these teams week in, week out and we're just concentrating on survival rather than being a bit of a day out to play a Premier League team when we're in the Championship. Um, but that being said, I, you know, I refuse to give up on the FA Cup being, you know, I remember as a little kid being super excited by the FA Cup. And I know it's not what it used to be to some people, but I just think about what, you know, eight year old me would have thought about it. And it, and it kind of makes me smile. So I'm excited to see what we'll do. Um, and either way, I think you can definitely say that there's um, a good outcome for us. Yeah. So listen, I mean, we played Everton a couple of months ago. Um, we got a 1-0 win there. Actually, it was a ground out a 1-0 win. And like I said to you, uh, if anyone's got that on their skybox, delete it immediately and do not watch it back because it's a bit of a <laughs> horror show, it has to be said. You know, yeah. but look, since then, lots of things have happened with Everton. Like, you know, it's like a massive sea change. They've got a new manager. They've signed a whole load of new players. So uh, we need to refresh ourselves as to what's been going down in Everton. We spoke to Ped from Toffee TV, and he's given us the lowdown on Everton. So, FA Cup game at the weekend. We were in the hat, along with Everton. We were both in the hat, and uh, we got an away trip, making our way up back to Liverpool. We were only there a few weeks ago, and uh, 
we need to find out a little bit more info about Liverpool, about Everton, indeed, because we only played them a couple of months ago. But things have changed massively since we played them. We've got Ped from Toffee TV in the house. Ped, how are you doing? I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Yeah, this is all good. You, you sound, are you excited about the game on Saturday? Oh, I tell you what. Imagine being excited about watching football. That would be a, that'd be a novelty, wouldn't it? Um, I think <laughs> you know what I think I might be because number one, it's an FA Cup game, so it's a break from the Premier League, the pre- break from the stress of the Premier League, um, and obviously we've got a new manager as well. So yeah, I'm I'm quite looking forward to this game. It's it's exciting. It's an FA Cup game. It's against a good side, and uh, for for the first time for a, for a long time, I'm excited to go to Goodison Park and watch my club. Which is all good. Listen, I mean, look, let's talk about your season because look, it started off, I mean, to me, I looked at it, you started off really well mm. as well. Then it sort of dipped off and, and it's been a little bit kind of not quite how you want it to be. I mean, just tell us, how's your season been so far? Uh, a disaster. Let's, let's be honest. You've been very polite there. It's been an absolute disaster. We had a really good start, fair enough. Um, certainly in, in August, I think we won three out of the four games. And, you know, we came back, I think we, uh, we, we came back, sorry, and played, you know, Burnley and Norwich and um, it, it wasn't, so it wasn't a terrible start. But then once we got past that little honeymoon period, which I think a lot of clubs do have in, in August time when, when we're all still getting back from pre-season and we're bedding in new players and all that kind of thing, it really just has just, you know, gone off a cliff really and we've won one game of football since the end of September. I mean, wow. you know, you think about that, one game of football in four months. I mean, that's that's incredible for anybody. I mean, listen, we're not right. Meg, you know, in the Premier League era, we're not a mega, mega, you know, the successful club, but you'd expect more than one win in four months. So it's been absolutely dire. And, and obviously, it led to Rafa Benitez losing his job. He was never really a good fit anyway. Um, and now here we are, we've got Frank Lampard in. There seems to be a little bit of freshness around the place in the last few days. Some new signings have come in. And I think we're looking at the second half of the season with a little bit more optimism and just hoping that we can get the wins we need to stay in the Premier League. And that's a mad thing to say, but that's where we are and you've just got to accept it. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I mean Rafa didn't last long. I mean, it's interesting you say that he wasn't the right fit. I mean, is that the case? Was he really not the right fit? And, and did you feel that he had to go? Yeah, I think, I think. listen, I know, listen, a lot's been made of what's gone on behind the scenes at Everton. And Everton are an utter disaster behind the scenes. I mean, I look at I look at your club and see how well run it is. And Everton are the opposite end of the spectrum on that. They're so poorly run. We throw money away. Like, you know, it was going out of fashion. And it's embarrassing that, actually. And it's embarrassing talking to it against someone like a Brentford fan who's you've gone through all the emotions of being a football fan, coming through the divisions, and not having any money, going to a new ground, all these things. I'm embarrassed that my football club has spent half a billion pounds in the last six years to be in the bottom five. That's that's embarrassing to me. I, I, I look at what other clubs have done and I look at how... Clubs like Derby County are struggling to stay afoot and our other clubs have gone out of business. And I find it just just horrible. I find it horrible. Just just on a just on, you know what, just on a human level, I find that quite embarrassing that a club has spent half a billion and done nothing with it. Um so that was a mess. 
Rafa Benitez, fans when he first came in, some were having, weren't having him. But some were just quiet and just said, well, you're the manager, we'll get on with it. But then the defeat started to happen. The style of play wasn't liked. The formation wasn't liked and it didn't work. And once it went on, there was no way he could stay on as manager. He just It just couldn't happen. As I said, you know, we picked up six points since September, late September, you know, one, one win and three draws. And then no managers could survive that, especially a manager who isn't really liked by his fan base. So here we are, we're in the second half of the season. Now we've got 18 Premier League games to go and we hope that we turn it round and we hope it starts obviously with an FA Cup game against you guys uh, on Saturday and it won't be easy, but hopefully we'll see some shoots of recovery and just a little bit of excitement and, and something just a little bit different because it's been quite drab this season being an Everton fan. It really has. It's just it's just been a real effort to get to have any motivation to go to the games. So I mean, I mean, obviously Rafa's gone. You've got Frank Lampard on board. We know obviously Frank Lampard very well because, as far as we're concerned, he's a he's a Championship manager. We got these sort of unwritten rules at Besotted actually. So we say actually, you know, <laughs> Aston Villa, Leeds United, you know, Norwich. So they're all Championship teams as far as we're concerned, and that's not a disrespect to them. It's just that they play in the Championship, they know the Championship, they understand the Championship, and they understand us who we are Championship side as well. And uh, Frank Lampard is a Championship manager, so you got him on board. Do you think he's the person to sort out Everton and and if so why I think whether he's the man to sort out Everton we'll never we won't know and we won't know for a while because managers tend to come in and have a really good spell um they you know obviously they have the bounce factor but I think with Everton it takes longer to that you've got to get what's going behind the scenes sorted you have to get a grip of the club you have to get a grip of the structure of the club and that has to be dealt with as well um, if he does do well, I imagine it'll be because he's he's young. He's got the energy to deal with it on a day-to-day level. Um, he ticks all those boxes that you sort of need to be a manager now, which is media savvy, being able to attract players who are you know seeing him as as someone who they looked up to when he was a player. And I think that all counts. And I think he's he does have experience, Derby County. I think he'd done well, although I think he should have got them promoted. And at Chelsea, I think in the first season, I think he'd done really well. I think to get them, you know, to get them Champions League position when everything was against them in terms of transfer embargo and losing players and and playing a lot of young players, I think was the big factor for me. I know it didn't go too well in the second year, but I think that first year showed that he, he is a good manager. And I think he's still learning and he's still only young. And I think Everton might be a good place for him to to actually just settle for a while and um, be in that sort of, you know, it's listen, it's not a Chelsea, it's not Champions League. You're not expected to go and win any any trophies, you know, soon. But there'll be a little, obviously there's more pressure than there was at Derby. Of course there is. It, we, we, you know, we're still, we're still a Premier League club and we're still a, a big Premier League club. So I think it's a good middle ground for him to kick on the next part of his managerial career and the people he's bringing in with him seem like they're all sort of the same kind of boat, young, energetic coaches who are switched on to what's going on in football right now. And I don't think Rafa Benitez was quite quite had that fit. So we're just looking for a bit of energy and just a bit of hope, just being able to get behind your team. You know, I listen to you talk about your team and how much you're all together and um, so much synergy at your club. That's that's the complete opposite of Everton at the moment. We are, we've torn ourselves apart as a football club. 
man, we don't like we don't like the managers. We don't like some of our players. <laughs> you know, the people often say, you know, the people who hate Everton most are Evertonians. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's honestly true because there's nothing really fun about our football club. It's you know, from the outside, I imagine if you look at Everton, you say, "What do they do? We don't do anything. We we don't win trophies. We we you know we don't get tend to get in Europe often anymore." But also at the flip side of that, where we haven't been in relegation battles, so we're we're very boring to a to an outsider. So I'd like to see us be a club that starts looking up, and we have that togetherness that I know you guys have, and that's all you can ask for, isn't it? As a fan, all you can ask for is that you think your club. And the players and the manager are doing the best for the f- the fans. And wherever that takes you, that takes you. For you guys, it's took you to the Premier League. We haven't had that. And that's all we want. No one's asking for trophies. No one's asking for European finishes. We just want to enjoy going the game, certainly in the short term. Um, and then, you know, whatever comes next, comes next. But you have to start it there, I think. Yes, I mean, and I hear that as well. So, and I suppose that comes from, like I said, it comes from the football, comes from the atmosphere, it just comes from creating a vibe around the club. I mean, I'll just make one point about Rafa before I move on because it's interesting that you didn't, you know, you weren't feeling the Rafa. Whereas, it's interesting when Newcastle got relegated to the Championship, and when they came down, we thought, right, Rafa is going to leave, half the players are going to leave. But what they did is that Newcastle actually stayed. As the same team as they were before, like, you know, so they stayed the same. That most of the players yeah. stayed, Rafa stayed. But the interesting thing when you spoke to the Newcastle fans, they're saying Rafa sorted us out. So you know, I don't know if it's Mike Ashley just said right, Rafa, you, and so he sorted them out from bottom to the top, and he actually kind of he, he kind of got rid of the mess that was Newcastle and made them sort of kind of a better club from bottom to top. And I think that may be what Rafa yeah. is going to bring to the game. But I don't know whether or not he was able to do that at Everton, you know, whether or not they just said to him, you manage your teammate yeah. and that's it. And and I think that's why when hearing you talking about the signings that are coming in and you spent 500, you know, million pounds or whatever it may be on signings. And, you know, I don't think Rafa may not have been really, I don't know, but involved in that. And I think it may be difficult for a no, manager no. like him to, you know, to, to control things when you've got all sorts of stuff happening all over the place and that's just a little comment yeah. that I'm making you know and just coming back to that though because we're talking about signings because the, even this window you've you've gone you've gone a bit bonkers like you know what I'm saying it was uh, compared to what we've done anyway like you know with our one signing you know with our one sort of free transfer you know you've got um is yeah. it um uh, as well you you, you signed you've got Nathan Patterson you've obviously got um you you've got Deli Alley as well which uh, you've, you've probably is a photograph yeah, yeah. That you've seen there with my, with my daughter he led her out at Wembley a few years ago yeah, Deli yeah. Alley so yeah so like I said to you Donny van der Beek as well so you've got you know and El Ghazi as well from uh, from Aston Villa so you've you've gone a bit potty this window is, has that made you excited um yeah what I would say is is that we needed those signings we only brought two two outfield well, three outfielders sorry in the summer um and Damari Gray's been a huge success Townsend's done well Rondon a bit less so we've got a couple of goalkeepers in but I think we had to bring it. Don't forget, we sold Luca Dean as well, which on the you know, which is an incredible thing to happen when he was our first choice left back, fell out with our manager, and then the manager was sacked four days after the player was sold or three days after the player was sold. I mean, that's just that's just an that just shows you how poorly run our club has been that that was allowed to happen. So we needed a left back. We got a left back. We've needed a right back for a very long time, and we got we went and got a very young one. Um, El Ghazi apparently was signed by the owner and not Benitez, and now he's got a different manager. Again, incredible, but that's only a loan. We've brought uh, Van der Beek on. 
who's again as a loan, and we'll have you know we'll have him to the end of the season. And there's it, there's nothing written in that that we're going to keep him. And we've done to be honest, we've done a really good deal for Deli Ali. We don't actually pay any money for him till he plays twenty games. Now he can't physically play twenty games this season, so he's almost like a player for next season. That we're almost it's all so because we got El Ghazi and we and we've got Van der Beek. We can't have any more loan signings. So it's, I think if Deli Ali had been available on loan, if we didn't have that loan place, we would have took him on loan. So we've done a deal that means that we don't pay for him until next season. He won't be in the budget till next season. So it's a clever, it's a clever signing that actually for Everton. Yeah. But we do need these players. We aren't a very good team. We are not a very good team. I'm the first to say that. We aren't a very good team. We lack a lot of things and we still lack a lot of things. So Listen, the thing about it is, like, three of these players can't even play against you because the cup tied. So, they're not. We're not even going to see them on Saturday. We may see uh, Patterson, who hasn't played a game for us yet, and we we might see uh, Michaelenko, who's played a couple of games. Um, I think we we need them because we're just on a, not a very good side, and mm-hmm. and we've got a new manager in. So obviously he wanted players on a deadline. They wanted a couple of players, so he's got his players in, and that's been the story of Everton in the last six years. New managers every other year or every year bringing in their own players. The players don't connect because they're all different kinds of players. And what happens? You get a team full of uh, jigsaw pieces from different boxes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that has to that has to change at Everton. That has to change. Um, but how can you stop a manager bringing his own players when he looks at the squad and thinks it's not good enough? So it is a bit of a mess. It is all over the place. But I'm hoping that is that's going to end. I'm hoping I'm hoping that someone like Frank Lampard can come in. And with his, just just who he is and what he's done in the game, can turn round to the owner and say, can you calm down, please? Can you get all this in place? And can we move on as a football club? Um, I think Carlo Ancelotti had a little bit of that, but listen, he had the choice to go to Real Madrid and, and who wouldn't go to Real Madrid if you, you know, if you had a struggling Everton side. So we're just hoping that everything calms down and maybe in the summer we won't need loads of players because we've bought them in this window. And let's be honest, you mentioned it before, it, we're getting a new stadium and, you know, it's getting built. The manager, the owner, sorry, can't have a situation where Everton are relegated in the, in the championship because he knows that Premier League money is paying for that stadium. He's not paying for it. He's just underwriting it. We're paying for it for the next 30 years. We have to be in the Premier League to get the funding, to get that stadium, you know, pushed through in two years. So he knows he has to protect his investment and he's doing that by bringing players in to help Everton stay in the Premier League ultimately. Yeah, no, 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 I hear that as well. So listen, I mean, we played you and we talked about this uh, on your podcast as well a couple of months ago. It was a pretty stinky game, it has to be said. Brentford went out 1-0 winners, but it was a terrible match. It really was, but we did what we had to do that game. Everton didn't do what they had to do that game. We were, and I've got to say that I thought that Everton were probably the the worst team that we had seen or we had played up to that point. And, and we played Burnley, we played Norwich at the time as well. And it was more a case of just the... The, the lacking in ideas and the, and the lacking in, in energy and you could just see that a lot of the a lot of the energy and, and just the the, the, the the confidence had been sapped out of them and that was also you could feel that on the terraces as well with the fans that the confidence has sapped out of them and when you get to that situation it's a sort of a vicious circle so uh, so we played you it wasn't a really great game and, and a lot of the, the Everton fans felt that relegation was on the cards at that time I mean I know we've talked a lot about you know Frank Lampard and the players that you bought and you know about that, but is there a sort of slight change in the feel now with the fans or are you just waiting to see how it goes? 
Yeah, I think the fans are a little bit more optimistic because of the new manager, because of the new players. And there's just a bit more of a bit bit of a better feeling, a more positive feeling. And it feels like the club are listening to the fans who, you know, have been um, demonstrating against them and, and the situation. So it does feel like that because there has been positives, but the proof will be in the pudding ultimately. And Everton still have to win six games really to stay in the Premier League. And you know that that game against you guys, you know, you 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 guys on that day were short a lot of players. You didn't play particularly well. It was a penalty, and it was a penalty on the day that that separated the two teams. And you're right, we lacked ideas because we had players in, uh, injured ourselves, like of Dominic Calvin Lewin and. Um, we just we've been like that all season, and then but but then on the flip side of that, we had young players on the bench, strikers, and we're one nil down with five minutes to go, and the manager doesn't bring them on when, you know, how do you finish a game not using all your subs, and you get beat one nil? I mean, how I don't understand how that can happen in football. Why not take a chance? Why not throw a young player on who may just cause a little bit of trouble? You know, for all we know, a cross could come in, hit him on the backside, and go in. Because because that's what happens with young players occasionally, but that's the kind of manager Rafa Benitez was, and I think that's why fans, you know, w- w- stop giving them the op- the chance because he he isn't that kind of person. He wouldn't give young players a chance. He wouldn't bring on three strikers or two strikers in the last five minutes when you one nil down. Where fans are thinking, why wouldn't you do that? Why have you not put an extra sub on um, and took even even if you took your your right back off or your left back or whatever. Why wouldn't you do that? And I think that's where Rafa Benitez lost the fans. He wasn't prepared to take those chances that would win you a game of football. You know, even the old-fashioned thing of throwing a centre-forward up front in the last minute. Anything just to change the way a game's going. And I think that day was the ultimate the ultimate showing of that, where we we had so many opportunities, balls being flashed across the box. Not We didn't create anything massively, but you could tell that your, you know, your defence was thinking... You know, if you know, we're under pressure here, but it never came. It never came because he refused to. So you're right. Our fans were really angry that day, and and let let the players know and let the manager know. And I think there's been too many of those days this season, far too many, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah, yeah. So listen, on the pitch, what can we expect from Everton? You know, who should we look out for, and and, and kind of what's the style with, especially with Frank at the helm. I don't know is the answer to that because he's only been in the job for <laughs> day, three days, two days, whatever. I'm forgetting what day it is. Um, I think there'll be a bit more energy. Listen, we can't play. Deli Ali obviously can't. Uh, Deli Ali can't play. He's cup tied. Uh, Donny Van der Beek's cup tied. Uh, El Ghazi's cup tied. So they can't play. Um, Patterson and Michaelenko may may be involved. I think what you what you'll see is just a refreshed a refreshed atmosphere of the of the crowd. But I think if you're going to think if you're going to look for one player, I think Anthony Gordon who's been the only bright spot this season for us. Young 20-year-old Evertonian who's come into the team in the last couple of years, but this year's really made a difference. Scored um, a few few goals recently as well. And he has got something that's a little bit different than anyone else because he's really hungry. You know, you see that with young players who want to take their chance, and he's been excellent. Um, it's Dominic Carvalhoen and Richarlison are, are, have only just sort of come back from, from injuries and are, are feeling their way back. And haven't really you know, done anything much this season because they've both been in and out the side. So you can't really you can't really bank on them doing anything, to be honest. So I'd say you know I'd say Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray, who's been another bright spot this season. Um, and I just think that will be a little bit more refreshed. 
and a little bit the the ground the ground will be a little bit louder and people will just get behind the team a little bit more and he will give the manager the benefit of the doubt as well because it's his first game. You know, if mistakes are made or things don't go the way you know um, we want them to go, I think we'll we'll give him a bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Whereas if it was Rafa Benitez, we you know you'd hear the the moans and the groans, thinking, "Oh, here we go again." So. I think you'll just see a bit more optimism, and hopefully, you know, hopefully for us, we we can start off on a positive note. Okay, and for Brentford, you know, who concerns you? I mean, who are you going to look be looking out for for the bees, like you know, and uh, and you know, and where where could the bees get at Everton? You know, if if you're not on the ball, I'm just wondering where's where's your fears? Where's your beef here? Um, I don't know really, because Brentford are are because 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 you obviously don't have your strongest side. All the time, there's a lot of names that I am, um, you know, don't don't necessarily might strike any fear into my heart, but you'll know that they're good players. But I think Brentford for me are the type of team that they don't stop going and they'll play to the like, very last minute. And you know, I remember when you won at West Ham and how they dominated the game, but and equalising in the last minute, you went to the other end, got a free kick and got a goal. I think these are just organised and it's a big game. You'll have more fans there than you would normally if it was a Premier League game, and obviously they're going to get behind you and. For you guys, I would imagine you will try and you'll know that it's still the same Everton team. It's still we've still got the same problems. The manager will have only had a week, so you'll probably think, well, if we can, you can come to Goodison, hit us early, and quiet down the crowd, then you've got a great chance. So I, I'm just I just think that as an entire team, Brentford will have a really good go, and you know, obviously, the likes of. Tony is is you know he's he's always a threat. He hasn't been obviously as consistent this season as he was last season, but he's always a threat. And yeah, I'm I'm just I'm obviously just very wary of of I'm just wary of anyone who plays against Everton now because it's <laughs> been that kind of season. So yeah. uh, it's going to be a difficult game. I'm not taking it for granted. No Everton fans taking it for granted. I know we're at home, but we haven't when our home form's been disastrous um, for the last for the last year since the beginning of 2021. So it's going to be a difficult game, I think, for us. I think there's no pressure on Brentford. You guys can come and enjoy the game, enjoy the day, and, and you'll, you know, you'll, we'll see what happens. So it's going to be a tough game. I've got no, no, um, I'm under no illusions of that. It's going to be a very tough game. So how's the match going to pan out? You know, you're confident of a win in the cup? I'm not, I'm, I'm not confident because I've watched Everton this season. So I can't be confident. This is the, this is the first game of a new era, hopefully, and hopefully it starts off in a in a confident way. But I can't hand on on my heart say that I'm confident we're going to win because this team have been poor all season. I, there's no way around it, and it's not poor because of injuries. It's not poor because of managerial decisions. It's poor because it's just a poor team, as far as I'm concerned, or a poor squad. First eleven, yeah, first eleven. We've got a decent first eleven. I think everyone's got a decent first eleven. It's when you scratch below the surface. So I'm optimistic there's going to be good days ahead. Hopefully it starts on Saturday. But listen, I just want to see a reaction from these players. I want to see Ever- this Everton team do something different than it's done the rest uh, the, 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 the earlier part of the season or all of the season because it's just been really, really tough so far this season for us. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us a score prediction. Oh, do you know what? I'll go. For, I'll just go for a two-one Everton win because it's because I think it's going to be a close game, um, and obviously I've got to back my own team. 
So I'll go for a 2-1 win. Whether that's in 90 minutes or in extra time, I don't know. But uh, of course, the game's got to be settled on the day, hasn't it? So it, right. that makes, again, that throws a little under the spanner in the works, doesn't it? Because obviously, that means that both teams will be going for it, certainly in the second half. Knowing that if it's got to be won on the day, you can't just sit back and go, well, we'll take these back to our place. It's got to be won on the day. And that's what gives it a, a, another little interesting feel. Indeed. And then I think for us, again, I'm going to put the score prediction later on in the show, but I think what you're saying there as well, for us, the nice thing about it is that we've always been playing weakened sides in the FA Cup because we were third round, fourth round, always play a weakened side. But I think it's going to be nice for once for Brentford to be playing a much stronger side against a team who's going to be playing a much stronger side. So you're going to get a traditional cup match feel. So I think that is going to be all good. So listen, Ped, it's been Absolutely. wicked chatting to you, mate. You know what I'm saying? And like I said to you, you know, we maybe catch up on the Saturday for a beer before the match or whatever. I'm really looking forward to coming up to, to Everton with my crew coming up there as well. Uh, good luck for the rest of the season other than Saturday and the game at the end of the, end of the, <laughs> the end of May as well, which we'll come back to you and talk to you about in a little bit. But listen, really great to chat Absolutely. to you and I'll catch up with you very soon. Thank you, Billy. Thank you for having us. So there you go, Ped from Toffee TV and he's getting himself excited he's not 100% potty for it but you could see the pottiness is kind of sort of seeping back in there slowly he's um he's been basically he's, he's almost like been conditioned to sort of kind of just not like his football and and again I'm not saying that this is what he was saying to us not like his football not enjoy his football so for him to kind of enjoy it it's almost like they're going back there with a bit of hope but you can imagine that if they actually get a result, there's going to be all sorts of pottiness. There's going to be late night drinking people on the bars and the tables and everything like that. So fingers crossed, we can actually kind of, well, stop that happening for at least for, for at least another week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They could do that the following week. Um, Laney, um, Everton, I mean, look, Everton, what, this is what they're about. I mean, counter-attacking. They're good at counter-attacking. You know, long shots, they're good at that as well. They're coming back from losing positions. They're good at that. Creating scoring chances, they're good at that as well. And also they're good at protecting the lead. But what they're not good at is keeping possession of the ball, defending counter-attacks, set pieces. And they're not good at aerial duels. And they're really bad at avoiding individual errors. So, you know, we've got the Frank Lampard, as I call him, a championship manager. Not a disrespect to him, but he's managed championship teams and a bit of Chelsea as well. So he kind of knows us and what it's all about. And he's a kind of bit of a motivator type manager now. Um, Looking at whatever turn about thoughts, Radis. Well, I mean, in terms of your description about what Everton don't do very well, it sounds quite promising, doesn't it? In terms of that sounds like, uh, you know, hopefully we can take advantage of some set pieces Hopefully, you know, Ayer and Pontus up from the back can um, get their head on a ball. I'm also not convinced that, you know, their new signings are going to take a bit of time to to gel. I mean, I don't understand how, um, you know, they got, what's his name, Von Beek or whatever his name is, and Deli Ali. They both play kind of in the same position, I think. Um, and as you said, Dynamo Kiev, I think they got quite a good deal with the left back they, they sold them. So, and Lampard's been there five minutes. So in terms of them really understanding his methods, what methods he has, clearly there's going to be a motivation factor that they're going to be, up for it and up for the cup and maybe this is a bit of optimism in a, in a bit of a bad season but I actually fancy our chances to go up there and, and get a result kind of the, the home game wasn't much as he said but they didn't really do much to make us too worried about them I think so I think we got a good shot to go up there and take advantage and, and maybe um, wipe the smile off some faces and, and, and make it a bit of a more difficult start because 
I mean, in terms of Lampard, you know, he said he'd been in championship manager, but he's never done anything as a manager which makes you think, core, he really is a tactical genius or anything like that. So I think we'll know as well what to expect. Um, and I think we'll be able to game plan for it. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. I don't I don't think they have anything which should scare us. I think we should go there. And if Ivan Tony wants to score a uh, a goal in order to make it up for us and we come back um, down from Merseyside with a win, um, that would do me. Yeah, and... So let me see. Yeah, you're also saying that um, you talk about Deli Alley and what's it, Von Bleek, whatever his name, Man United man. They are actually cup tied, so they they couldn't even play against us, even if they wanted to, as well. You see, so uh, so that is you know that's going to actually spin in our favour to a certain extent. I, I want to say, I mean, talking about the support. Um, obviously, Everton haven't been going through a great time at the moment. Now, then all of a sudden they have got a new manager, and all of a sudden everyone wants to go to the game now with uh, with Frank Lampard, and they couldn't get hold of tickets. But all of a sudden they now can get hold the tickets because Brentford didn't sell out their allocation. It's a bit of a strange one, actually. They uh, We decided to take the full 6,000 and I'm not being funny, but if you asked me, I mean, I knew for a fact, I mean, I was wavering as to whether or not I was going to go or not. I know a load of people very early on said they're not going to go to Everton because they went to Liverpool three weeks earlier and also they want to save it for the back end of the season. But the I think Brentford did some sort of straw poll with about two people and decided to go for the 6,000 allocation and all of a sudden, very quickly, they found out they couldn't sell it. Anyway, Everton have just decided to sell the top row and they actually didn't tell Brentford at all about this at all. They just sold the top row and then they've just gone, oh, no, right, there you go, Brentford, you're all in the bottom row now. So you may or may not have known it. We're actually in the bottom row, um, uh, Everton, because we couldn't sell up the top and the bottom. Um, but <laughs> Everton couldn't be bothered to tell us. That's, uh, that's, that's, it, that, that actually could spin in our favour, don't you think so, Radis? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, sort of those fans who do go up are going to be in good voice. I can totally understand why it's going to be a bridge too far for some families with the, the cost and having gone up to Liverpool recently. Um, but in terms of the lack of manners, I think that's a quite a good motivating factor to make sure that um, we sing our hearts out. Certainly when we went up to Liverpool, I was really surprised. I think Brentford outsang Liverpool at Liverpool for 90 minutes. So I think the uh, the challenge is to do the same against Everton with, a, with their new manager when they, you know, make them... Uh, make them uh, take a, you know, a bit of a wind out of their sails. So, yeah, bad manners from Everton, all the more motivation, um, and let's make them pay for it. Yeah, and we can't, and, and, and the thing is, I mean, I hear what you're saying about that. Uh, talk to my Everton chums as well out there, and like I said to you, we've uh, I chat to them quite a lot, and they've said to me it's actually very quiet at Everton. You know, and the Liverpool fans, of course, they would say that's why they say it's very quiet at Everton. So the one thing that we can't do is allow them to get a goal early with their new manager. So we need to be very careful of that. So listen, you know, I'm going to go around the table here and I'm going to ask you for a score prediction, Radis. I think we're going to go up there and it's going to be a smash and grab job and we're going to win 1-0. That's my prediction. Okay, so you've gone 1-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. I've seen Laney's actually gone off on safari. I can't believe he said that he's got nothing to do. And he's actually gone off on safari. So he's actually too scared to give a score prediction. Or maybe he might give a score prediction. Yes, he's given a score prediction. He said it's going to be 2-1 to Everton. While I could see him going off on, on some sort of kind of Jeep safari just down there. I see the dust and everything like that. So enjoy yourself, Laney, on that one. I'm actually going to go for a 2-0 to the mighty, mighty in this game as well so look there we go so look this has been 
the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's brought to you by anythingispossibleaip.media. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Don't forget to um, go to besotted.com forward slash beer and buy us a beer if you like what we're doing. Thanks to everyone who supported us so far. Like I said, you write a review on iTunes or any other podcast channel if you want to. Like I said, we'll be reading them out very soon as soon as the games kind of just even themselves out a little bit more. We had a bit of a break last week because we were so knackered, which is all good. And like I said to you, other than that, We'll be at the game on Saturday. We'll be doing a post-match podcast. You can catch it prior to West.London after the game. It's going to be a right good podcast as well. I can feel it already. But like I said to you, my name is I'm Billy Grant here and I'm in the house and I've got the Radders. Hey, yeah, looking forward to it. Let's beat the Toffees. That's right. And we've got Laney in the house. <sighs> Jeez, okay, that's, he's off. He's off. He's off on the safari. And like I said to you, we're going to be very excited. We're going to go up to Everton first. As we say, come, come on, you bees. You bees. Laney in safari. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.